Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. It's time for Game Day, brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air, with your hosts, Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario. Experiencing a few technical difficulties <laughs> at the moment, but we'll get him hooked up here in just a moment. We're excited. We've got uh, Notre Dame and Georgia Tech this afternoon. It's a 3.30 start on ABC down in Atlanta, uh, which should be interesting. Second, second road game. To, hey, we got you, Tim. How you doing? I'm on here. I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. Hey, got to love technology, right? You know, I want, I, I want to make sure that Rocky didn't feel so bad that he couldn't get uh, connected with us last week. Uh, <laughs> thank you for doing that, Tim. Thank you. How are you doing, Rock? I'm fine, thank you. Nice to be with you again. Thanks for having me back. Well, as we ended the last interview, we said we just hit the tip of the iceberg. When it comes to talking to you, um, if I remember correctly, we ended up in – we just got drafted in the 16th round for uh, Notre Dame and the Pittsburgh Steelers. So tell me – That's right, a very you. highly touted 16th round draft. <laughs> That's right. There you go. That's I right. like that. Like well, the story, the story that you, the story that you gave us last week about how you're sitting around and you guys are just watching TV, and then all of a sudden the local news tells <laughs> you basically that you got drafted uh, in the 16th round. What a crazy story that was! <laughs> That's right. Well, that was the experience at that time. It was just like, oh, hey, congratulations, and then we went on with the rest of our discussion at that time. <laughs> Unlike today, you know, where everybody is uh, as parties. People are all over, covered by the media, and who's going where, and so on. It wasn't so much. Not when you're the 417th person. But if you were the number one draft choice, it might have been. But not so much when you're down the line. So it was an afterthought. But uh, hey, Rock, one, one of the yeah. things, you know, we, you know, we didn't get a chance to talk last week just, uh, you know, about the, uh, about the pit game, although it was a wonderful game, as we well know. We played very, very well. You know, my experience, my experience with uh, playing against uh, uh, University of Pittsburgh was uh, I, would, I, I played in the uh, uh, when they ran the clock <laughs> for the whole second half <laughs> and, and no timeouts. We had a it was 69 to 13 or whatever the, the that final score was. I played in that game. Um, and then I, I remember I remember coming to uh, playing Pitt my senior year. Um, and it was uh, uh, my last game. So here it was my last. We, uh, we're on the road. and So we're here in Pittsburgh. Uh, I don't know whether I shared this story with you, but we're here in Pittsburgh. And we're, we're, and we're staying at the hotel uh, down at the, at the point. And I'm walking out. And uh, it was the night before the game. And I didn't have to go with the team at the time. And so we, uh, uh, I said, oh, let me go for a walk. And I walked out. And. You know, looked across the rivers on this hillside over there, the big alcove sign that took place. And I was walking down the streets, looking all over, and, uh, you know, thinking to myself, only, 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 based on uh, 
preconceived ideas and perceptions because I haven't really spent any time in Pittsburgh. Like, oh, who in the hell would want to live here? <laughs> and I'm still here 54 yeah. years later. And That's so, right. You know, it's, it's, then I got drafted by them. Turning you know, <laughs> so hey, got so, Go ahead. So let's, let's, let's move from – so you got drafted 16th round. Tell me if you can remember – your first experience walking into the Pittsburgh Steelers locker room or your first interaction with the players? Well, you know, I, I, I mean, I can tell you, I can tell you another story too, which was that, um, I, so we had a report. So we reported here down at the Roosevelt hotel. Uh, and that's where the Steelers uh, headquarters were. And so uh, the rookies or the draft choices at that time, the rookies were, um, we're in, we had to go through a physical before we headed up to um, a training camp. And so um, I couldn't find the hotel uh, <laughs> at all. I knew it was on the corner of 6th and Penn in Pittsburgh. But we didn't have GPS at that time, and, um, and, and Pittsburgh's built on a triangle, so no streets run perpendicular to one another. So, like, 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 Sixth Street ran into Ninth Street, and so then I go, okay, Fifth runs into Fourth, and and, I, and all of a sudden it was late at night, and I and, and I found the hotel. I don't know how. Pulled into a, a a parking garage, and here's my story: is that the next day we go through uh, uh, our, our our physical, and we're heading up, and uh, my car was broken into, and uh, everything I had was. Stolen. Oh, geez. Welcome to well, Pittsburgh, right? Because, yeah, that's right. Welcome to Pittsburgh. All I had was the clothes on my back. And huh. I mean, they took everything. Now, I had packed, when you're the 16th round draft choice, um, I, I had packed just in case if I did make the team at that time, and I was heading down to Florida. So I had my golf clubs in there. I had uh, everything. Oh. Everything I owned at the age of 22 was in the trunk of my car. So <laughs> that was my... Hey, welcome to Pittsburgh. <laughs> At that time, so I, hope, I, so I can remember. Yeah, so I remember um, going, uh, going, being up in training camp, and there was rookies to begin with, um, and uh, you know, you just kind of, you know, you've been to training camps before. Uh, nobody, you know, it, 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 I didn't know anybody else there, and then the veterans came in uh, a couple weeks later, and. Uh, and so that was my, my, you know, my first experience. They're bigger. And they had an attitude about themselves, and um, and uh, so you're just a, you know, a, a rookie trying to trying to make the team. So here, here is here is another one of my experiences, uh, which was that when the veterans came in, uh, <laughs> one of the veterans came in. One of the things they did was uh, take the rooks out, or, or or the rookie. Actually, the first round draft pick. Uh, was a guy by the name of Mike Taylor out of Southern um, Southern Cal, um, and uh, and they go, uh, okay, hey Mike, uh, you know part of the team is uh, we're going to go down to the 19th hole after practice, you know, and get a chance to meet all the other players, you know, and have a couple beers. That's the deal. Well, Mike goes, oh, I don't drink, uh, I don't go, I, I I'm not going with you. Oh, okay. So then they went to Ernie Ruppel, who was the second round draft choice. 
<laughs> and he said, Ernie, you're going to come with us, a big farm boy um, out of Arkansas. And uh, Ernie goes, oh, I'm not going either. <laughs> now I got put up by the first and the second round draft choice, and uh, Paul Martha, who was the instigator of this whole thing, uh, was an All-American at the University of Pittsburgh, was the Steelers' number one draft pick, and uh, was uh, a, a defensive back for them, turns to me in the panic and said, okay, Blair, you're coming with us. <laughs> and like a little lap dog, I go, oh, oh, okay, fine. I just want to be accepted to be a part of it. <laughs> and so... <laughs> So, uh, so we went and had a beer, or two, or three. <laughs> Actually, I ended up having like ten beers in in an hour. <laughs> oh, gee! Was Come on, kid. You know. <laughs> so uh, that was my introduction to the veterans, as they say. Whatever it takes to make the team, right? That's right. <laughs> whatever it takes. My my experience at that time. <laughs> this is a Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. For the Georgia Tech game later today, right here on WSET at 3.30 p.m., we're talking to the uh, Purple Heart Bronze Star, Bronze Star winner in uh, National Championship and Super Bowl Championship running back. There's so many different things on here, Rock, and there's a lot of other awards you've got over the years, uh, too. Um, but we, won't, we don't have time to go through all of them. You're a very awarded person, and deservedly so. So let's go to... Um, probably not your obviously your greatest memory, but uh, you got drafted then. You know, after after you were in the Pittsburgh Steelers and and you went to Viet, Vietnam. Um, any any thoughts on 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 that? How, how where were you when you received that news? Well, I, so it was it was uh, it was this. It was um, I was in we were at, we we practiced at Pitt, so we were in the locker room the um, uh, at the time. And so uh, this was a latter part of November, um, and uh, <laughs> and as the story goes, uh, you know, one of the equipment guys hollered, and honestly, God hollers, "Hey, Blair, there's a letter over here for you in the pile of mail that is deposited for all the players, uh, usually on a on a card table or a table that's there." And so it was a place I'd never, it was a place I'd never visited from that first day of training camp up through the tenth game. <laughs> Not when you're the 417th person picked on a playing on a losing team. Nobody knows you exist. As I tell people, my mother never even sent me a letter. And so here's my first here's my first letter. And I, oh, I got up very quickly and I walked over and I cruised through it, opened it up, and and they said, "Greetings. We'd like to inform you that you've been inducted into the armed services." And it was my draft notification. The wow. The thing that hit me was to report the next morning at 7 a.m. at the AFI station to be inducted. I go, the next morning? This was like a Wednesday that was to be on Thursday. I, I, like, I, don't they give you a warning? I mean, don't they give you like a week or something, you know, to get ready for this? And it was post-dated a week before. By the time it found its way to that table in Fort Pitt, it was the next morning. Oh, my, my heart was beating. I didn't know what to do, you know, so the, anyway, we end up, uh, uh, we end up uh, going down there uh, just because of the circumstances, they gave me an extra day to get my uh, stuff together and, on, and then boom, off, off you went. 
And some, in to some degree, you know, to some degree, uh, it, it probably was a blessing because it happened so quickly. You didn't get a chance to have to worry about it. You just reacted as, you know, as we react to situations. You know, it was, it was boom. And so um, then it's a whole new life. You're in basic training, advanced infantry training. Um, you go through that process. You get yelled at. It wasn't any different than any training camp I've ever gone through or, you know, but especially when you're a freshman uh whether or a rookie you know you go through that whole uncertainty of, of what is going to take place and i find myself in vietnam like thousands of other young uh soldiers and young men during that period of time and really wasn't until four and a half months later in country um and uh, when we were on a mission and uh ran into enemy activity um and uh <clears throat> and then um we were we were to retrieve bodies that uh, had uh, we we had left behind two days previously, and we walked on an open rice paddy. Uh, we knew the enemy was in the area, and we had a point man who then saw movement across the berm, uh, and in his excitement, uh, hollered, "Goop goop!" Shots broke the stillness. They started to run. He started chasing, pulling everybody out in the middle of that rice paddy, and the machine guns started to level the area. Bodies were diving left and right, crawling their hands and knees. My responsibility, since I was a grenadier, to get firepower on that machine gun position, maybe 150, 200 yards away. And so, and I rolled over my side, and, and that's when I got hit the first time. And then uh, we were in a firefight, dropped back. Uh, they probed our perimeter, got close enough, and a, heli and, and a, and a hand grenade came flying in. Uh, and hit my commanding officer in the back, bounced off, and rolled between my feet before I could jump out of the way. It blew up and blew up to uh, my uh, right foot and thigh and legs. And so, um, and then we were another firefight until we, sister company, got there and dragged us out of there. So that was the action that had taken place. And again, everything happened so quickly as it usually does, no matter what accident happens, or, or, or in this case, that situation. Uh, and then we finally um, got out of there throughout the evening, carried us back to the secured area, and um, I'll, I'll, we got put on a helicopter and then flew to Da Nang, where I got patched up, and then flew to Tokyo, where I spent three weeks in the hospital, and then came back to the States, where I spent nine months in the hospital, and went through three operations during that period of time. So that was kind of that experience. Um, that I had gone through, and especially in the in the in the realms of uh, Veterans Day coming up, and um, and, uh, and a special salute to all those who have served our country, and uh, and I thank them for that service. Um, and it uh, wasn't necessarily a popular war, as we well know, coming out of uh, Vietnam. Uh, and uh, the young soldier was attached to the uh, to the war, and because it was uh, so bittered by the population here. Um, the, um, the military personnel was was uh, was not appreciated. As a matter of fact, uh, when they were spat upon and thought uh, lowly of and baby killers and, and and so most of the soldiers that came back they had to repress that whole feeling. I mean, they just they had to repress it, come back and be kind of underground and um, and go on with their lives and back to school whatever that situation may be. Um, and so uh, eventually, you know, worked our way through it and lived through that uh, uh, that period of time. So today we have an all volunteer, um, you know, army that uh, the American people
thank and um, and, and and they do so much um, uh, for uh, our government, for us, and in protecting us worldwide. And so it's at least that, that we can do, especially um, as we approach uh, Veterans Day, to be able to thank a veteran for giving us the freedoms and uh, that uh, that we have today. Hmm. Unbelievable. So, um, Rock, you, you just last year went back to Vietnam, and uh, I saw that uh, story on uh, ESPN, and uh, obviously very uh, emotional for you. Had you been wanting to do that, go back to Vietnam? And uh, well, it was a, you know, like it, it was an interesting, if I may say, it was an interesting story because uh, we had, it took us ten years to get there. <laughs> and it was an idea um, uh, that that was uh, presented um, early on, and then you know it didn't work out. Schedules didn't work out. Timing didn't work out. And then you forget, and then you come back, and it's a story. Eventually, um, all the pieces fell in, and it was so the, for the fiftieth anniversary. And when ESPN asked me, said, well, you know, would you like to go back? And I said. Well, yeah, you know, I said, I, yeah, I, I mean, yes, I, of, of course. Do I, do I need to go back? I mean, from a personal point of view, no, because of the fact that, unlike the majority of returning uh, veterans during that period of time, who, as I said before, had to repress their feelings, you know, I come back to a quote high-profile industry. I'm, uh, you know, a young soldier uh, coming back to try to play football again. So I became a story, and in so becoming that story. There was somewhat of a catharsis. I had to answer all the questions that had uh, would take place. How do you feel about the war? What you you know we, how 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 can you compare it to playing sports? Well, and go on and on and on and on and on. So, for part of me being able to express and tell that story and get some positive feedback that well here's a young man that that's going through this you know difficult time and so on. Um, it gave me a catharsis to to to. to to get rid of whatever feelings I was inside. So I said, I'm going, okay, we can go back. I don't know what to expect. I mean, from you guys, I don't know what you expect from this. Um, and and uh, we can, and we'll go back. So we did. As uh, And then we were out in the race paddy, and Tom Rinaldi, the, um, uh, who was asking questions, you know, so as we were going through this process of where we were, so we asked the question, how do you feel? Wow. I mean, I have to tell you this, out of the blue, out of nowhere came this um, emotional feeling that you saw within that clip. I mean, I don't, and, and, and part of me is overtaken by the emotion. There's a part of my brain that's going, where's this coming from? Where's this coming from? I mean, how, you know, you, where's this emotion? And, uh, uh, and then I, so then I, I break down. I mean, it was interesting as I look back on it because it came from the soles of my feet all the way up through my body it was just this emotional thing that was a draining. I mean, it was, it was like I, I, my whole system was being flushed on. It just didn't feel well. And I, I, and, and so, and I was crying and, and I couldn't figure out why. And so we go and um, Tom says, come on, let's, you know, let's go uh, back. And I'm trying to, Reunite the story again, and and we sit down, and you know he said, why don't you just sit down here for a second, and you know, and get yourself together?" And I said, "Okay." And I passed. You know, just yeah, just you know, and, for, for those 
those of us, it's hard to relate to everything that you you went through there, Vince. I'm sorry I cut you off there. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 that's, no, that's, no, that's what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, so I just so that was that was it, and I come to you know, as I told told Ronaldo afterwards, when I come to I you know I see these uh, there are five guys that are, are are looking at me like, holy crap, sakes, what happened? You know, did he die or you know? And so I go uh, as the true Ronaldo would do. Are you are you all right? Are you all right? Um, wow. Yes. Are wow. you all right? Hey, keep the cameras rolling. Okay. Are you all right? Make sure you get this shot. Okay. Are you all right? So, <laughs> I kid him about that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. but anyway, and so that was, uh, uh, but it gave me, it just gave me an insight. It gave me an insight into our young military people today um, and those who have uh, suffered with uh, post traumatic stress. Uh, syndrome um, over the years, you've heard that uh, terminology, those that might have mental uh, health problems because of their experiences, uh, because all of a sudden, I, as I said before, you know, it's like, and it can happen at any time, like you open the front door, you walk out and boom, you just walk off a cliff and it can happen that quickly. Um, and so right. it just gave me a little insight of how they have to deal with with um, those situations in their life. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know what? You know, here we go again. I think we're going to have to have a part three later in the year because <laughs> you've got just such an interesting <laughs> life. I'm, I'm being serious. I'm going to have to contact you. So for maybe in late November or December, if you're up for it, we got to get into your Pittsburgh Steelers days too yet. Oh, we can do that. Sure. Yeah. Just give me All right. time. Jim. I know you're, I mean, you got, you got a great lineup today. I, I saw that lineup. So we're going to get there. Okay. Uh, yeah, we, so we got to keep the show moving. So I, in, in deference to them, I don't want to cut you off, but that's we're going to pick up the Pittsburgh Steelers saga next time we talk. That's right. But anyway, just okay. one last quick story. But I know that you got to cut uh, the, the, the game today against Georgia Tech. Last time I yep. played against them, I played down at, 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 at Georgia Tech. Um, in my senior year, it was, a, <laughs> it was a game. I scored two touchdowns. I scored two touchdowns in that game and uh, ended up with a torn ligament. Um, on, <laughs> I had a torn ligament and I scored two touchdowns. And it was, wow. uh, and then we flew home afterwards and, uh, and Monday and then Sunday uh, we had a meeting uh, and, uh, and I saw the doctors and, uh, <laughs> and they said, well, uh, yeah, Blair can't play anymore. He, he tore his ligament in, in, in the game. And Eric goes, what? <laughs> you know, if anybody, if anybody anyway. could do it, you'd be the one to do it, Brock. <laughs> That's right. Thanks for the All time, right. guys, and have a great well, thank show. Thank you. Hey, thanks, you Brock. Great, you have a great, great day. Stay with us. All We're right, back thanks, after Tim. a short break on Sports Radio 96.1 WSCT with Dick Vitale. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Your Legacy Heating and Air game day show is brought to you by, of course, Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. By Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Matt Wilson in South Bend or Pablo Rodriguez in Granger. 
by Fisher's Barbecue and Catering. Visit their new location at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive through carry-out, or catering. Just look for the smoke. By Food Bank of Northern Indiana, not all heroes wear capes. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana reminds us all that we can play a role in ending hunger in our communities. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Four Winds South Bend, escape the everyday. By Industrial Door of Northern Indiana, dedicated to providing the best in garage doors. Tim? Yes, you there? Yes, sir. Go ahead. I am so sorry having these technical difficulties. Hey, Dickie, how you doing? I'm doing great. Who am I on with? You're on with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario. I am so sorry. You know, uh, this tech- we're having technical problems today. We're more so just me than anybody else. But uh, <laughs> we're so glad to have you join us. And I know one of the things we're going to talk about a lot is your new book that just came out. And thank you for sending this to me. I've been reading it the last few days. It's called The Lost Season, a look at what the journey to the 2020 National Championship could have been. So being your annual, I think you're like 42nd year at ESPN, I, I only can imagine what the motivation was to write this book, but you tell you tell me what made you write the book, Dick. Well, you know, first of all, we just uh, was very depressed about the fact not having a tournament. Uh, the situation was, well, my life I've been so excited about March Madness. We didn't have it. I was sitting around talking to my buddies, and Dick Weiss was a great, great uh, uh, guy in the world of college uh, sports, and we were talking to Howie Schwab, research guru, and we said, you know what? Maybe I should do a book. It was like therapy. I thought it was like therapy. Sitting down, doing a book, and it's been a lot of great reviews. It's been well-received. And most of all, every dollar from the book, I'm giving the kids battling cancer to the V Foundation. So if the Notre Dame family wants to help me out, I hope they do, because I think they'll enjoy the book, number one. And number two, they'll be helping kids battling cancer. And all they got to do. If they want to help us in that area, they got to buy the book at DickFitel.com. DickFitel.com, where they can get an autographed copy. They write whatever they want me to write. They put it there. Notre Dame is awesome, baby. Notre Dame is the best. Whatever <laughs> they want me to write, I write. And those dollars then will go to the V Foundation for kids battling cancer. So just have them go, Tim, to DickFitel.com. DickFitel.com. And, Dick, I know you've been really involved in this. We talk about it every time, proudly talk about all your contributions. Uh, you've raised over $30 million in your uh, gala. And how, so I would assume this year you could not have it with uh, everything going on, or did you do a virtual one? We had a virtual one the last one we had. We raised $7.4 million virtually, wow. which blew my mind. People have really responded. The WWE gave us $900,000. Mark Cuban came in with a half a million. Uh, it's just, you know, people that really been lucky in their life realize how really important it is to get research dollars to help kids. There's nothing worse. I have a youngster right now lives near me. He's going in his fourth battle against brain cancer. If people go to my uh, uh, go to my Diggy V on Twitter, I posted a thing all about him. His name is Weston Herman, 13 years old. Think about this, Tim. He's had two brain surgeries. He's in his fourth battle with brain cancer right now. And I want to give you a story about courage. This kid is a terrific, not good, a terrific hockey player. 13 years old, plays in the older league with high school kids, 15, 16, 17. The other day, he does chemotherapy. He has to go down in this battle, 52 weeks of chemo. He has chemo, finishes at 3.30, comes home, and he starts throwing up all over his front yard. He tells his father, he's going to stop me. I'm playing tonight hockey. He says, you can't play. He says, they keep playing. And he played. 
And I put a video up on my Twitter slash the TV showing him in that game, scoring a goal, and scored four goals, three assists. The courage, they come out of chemo. But what the families go through, the pain the moms and dads go through is amazing. So that's why I'm begging people out there. You know, our next gala, May 7th, uh, is going to be our 16th year. One of our honored guests is going to be Muffet McGraw, uh, Notre Dame oh, wow. superstar. Notre Dame, beautiful, beautiful person in every way possible, coaching and just in life, representing the university as a coach in such a positive way. I think Coach Ivy's going to continue that great, great tradition. But Muffet will be one of our, our one of our honored guests, along with the football coach of Florida, University of Florida, Dan Mullen. And we're going to have just a great time. It's going to be a super, super event again. We hope to raise millions and millions of dollars. I tell you what, Dick, I, that was uh, both Tim and I both have thirteen-year-old, thirteen-year-olds, uh, and that is uh, an amazing story. I can't even imagine what that family has to go through. So thanks for bringing that to our attention. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, and this is kind of relates to your book, uh, what it was like last year when the middle of March hits. And you're sitting at home, not at a March Madness game. I can't even imagine what that was. I mean, it was tough for all of us, but I can't imagine what that was like for you. You know, an empty feeling, obviously, but when you sit back and think about it, they did the right thing, the NCAA, because number one, the priority has to be the safety of everybody involved. You know, sports is great, but this pandemic is out of control. You know, I just was out last time and I did a, a periscope and I showed where I was at, you know, at a restaurant that I was at, down a beautiful Siesta Key down here. People walking around, hardly anybody with a mask on, social distancing, forget about it, didn't even think about it for people, and it just blows my mind. I, I just don't understand and can't comprehend how people do not listen to the experts out there who know what this is about, who deal with it, and it's running rampant. Over 90,000 yesterday were confirmed with it. And then we got people say, oh, it's nothing. It's no, really? It's nothing? Tell that to the 230,000 people that died. Tell them that's nothing. I mean, it's sad. It really is sad. And the other thing sad in our nation is we don't have enough love, man. We don't have enough people loving one another. I grew up in a great family. My mother and father were uneducated. Fifth grade education. I had a doctor of the law. And they taught my brother, sister, and I in this great country. I used to hear from the, my mom and dad. I missed them so much. They're Hall of Famers to me. They had a doctor to love, man. And they used to share with me all the time. There's never Dick was Richie. Richie, treat people like you want to be treated. And if you do that, you'll be a happy guy. And then it's a be good to people, and people will be good to you. Well, if we did more, and if all of us, if everybody out there had that philosophy, treat people how you want to be treated, we wouldn't have all this division and hate and violence, all this nonsense going on. It just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart about the pandemic, how serious it is. You know, we worry about losing basketball games. Oh, football games, this guy might not play, he's tested. Oh, really? That's really great. And that's so important. What about, for example, the millions that are out of work and can't provide for their family because of this disease? I mean, this is something we can't just sit back and accept it. We got to do something about it. What we got to do is follow, wear a mask, social distance, do the things they tell you to do. Oh, so you got me fired up, man. Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know, speaking of uh, speaking of fired up, and probably not appropriately with what you're just talking about, you were fired up when the Tampa Bay, your your own Tampa Bay uh, Rays, made it into the uh, the playoffs. You were just so, so excited, and they were in the World Series. I mean. 
Well, now you got me really upset big time because really I was really <laughs> frustrated beyond belief in that last game because I have great respect. I love what Kevin Cash has done with the Rays. Got minimal 27th uh, uh, payroll in baseball. We don't have the dollars of Dodgers and the Yankees and all them have, and yet we won the American League championship, and he did a great job. But, boy, I went ballistic. I'm not second-guessing. I did it right away on my Twitter. If you go to Dickie V, you'll see my Twitter line before all the damage started. I said, no, no, don't take Blake Snow out. Don't take him out. He was dominant. I've been a season ticket holder for 21 years. My seats are first row next to the visitor's dugout. 2018, I watched Blake Snell as he was winning the Cy Young Award, just dominate hitters, dominate hitters. And we had not seen that the last year or so because he's been injured. He's had some farm problems. But in that game, in that game against the Dodgers, that was the Blake Snell of 2018. And anybody could see that. You'd have to be a genius to see that. He was dominant. He took the four top batters in that lineup that were coming up when he was yanked. They were coming up. They got up eight times. They struck out seven times. I couldn't believe it took them out. But they go to analytics, and analytics has told them the third time around, we don't want you to face them because they're going to be familiar with you the whole bit, so we're going to make a change. Sometimes you've got to forget that analytics. I know years ago, man, you're not going to the mound to get Bob Gibson or Tom Seaver to throw the manager back to the dugout. I mean, it was just, it just tore my heart because the other thing is our bats were anemic. We couldn't hit uh, in that game, and we couldn't hit during the series. We struggled hitting the baseball other than Randy Orozarena, the rookie that came on like an incredible player. But the bottom line is, only way we're going to win that game was possibly with a shutout. And he was heading in that direction. He threw 70 pitches. Well, you're getting yeah, fired up on a lot of issues. Yeah, I know, I'm going to relax today. I'm going to relax, take it easy, watch the <laughs> Irish later. And now you got me all these issues fired up. <sighs> well, let me continue your fired up uh, attitude right now and give one more plug for the lost season. Well, the lost season to me, you know, is one that we have a fantasy draw at the end, and in that draw we pick what we think each game, and we have guys who fantasize who would score and not score. But I'm looking forward to this year. I hope that – and remember this again. I, I can't emphasize this enough because I want to raise as many dollars for kids battling cancer. Please go to dickvital.com. You can make donations there to the V Foundation. You can buy some of my merchandise, signature hats, PTP basketballs, primetime performer on it, awesome baby on them. You can buy them. You can buy my signature hats. You can buy a number of books I have, children's book, motivational book, this latest book, The Lost Season. You just go to Dick com. It's all right there in front of you, and you get autographed copies, and every dollar goes to the V Foundation for Kids Battling Cancer. By the way, my granddaughter is up there at Notre Dame. She's a freshman. She's uh, right now on a tennis team, loves it, getting ready for final exams, and then she'll be coming home for a while because they have that break, I guess, like November, I think, 21st. Hey, my heart right. go out also to the families of those Two youngsters that lost their lives in that unbelievable situation. Oh, my God. My granddaughter yes. went to, I guess, the service they had. and so sad. So sad. Yes, it is. It is. It is very, very, very sad. But we appreciate all the work that you do to brighten up uh, people's lives uh, through your foundation work. Um, every time we talk, whether I look at this picture of dealing with 
these young people, like Ben said, you know, I've got four daughters. My youngest is 13. Like, that's the, the, what kids have to go through. They shouldn't. And I know your foundation is working to help eliminate that. And God bless you for doing that. And we'll talk to you next year. Okay, Tim, let me tell you this, you and Vince as well. If you guys think you have it tough or somebody thinks they have a little tough day today, think about this. 45 to 50 mothers and fathers today and every day, every day, go home and hear four words no mom and dad ever wants to hear. Your child has cancer. So, again, let's thank God for our blessings. Make every day the most important day in our lives. Live it to our fullest. Have passion and pride about what you do. My God, Notre Dame such a great school. we got seven degrees in my family from Notre Dame. Sydney, who's now fresh from the eighth. My other grandson, uh, her brother, he committed to Notre Dame. And we go in there to play lacrosse in 2022. So the school is very important. My daughter, Terry, was the president of the Monogram Club. She's still on the board of directors. Uh, my, I, I just can't say enough about the university. We have a, my wife and I gave a big endowment there, and we love doing it because it helps kids, and I just think the university represents everything I believe, and it's such a beautiful place. Thank you. Thank you so much uh, uh, for that, Dick, and go Irish today against Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. Irish, want to hear it? 37 and Georgia Tech 21. We want Clemson. And they went about to come in with Trevor Lawrence, too. We want him to be playing. You're right. You're right. <laughs> That's right. All right. I'll see you later, Dick. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. We'll be right back with the real Rudy. 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 How about just Rudy right now? We'll be right back. Welcome back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And the Heating and Air Game Show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at Legacy Heating and Air, Inc., Com. Also brought to you by Irish Realty, Steve Smith team. When buying or selling a home to building and remodeling, go Irish, Irish Realty. By Leck Leitner Door, they open all the right doors. By Monterey Mexican Grill, authentic Mexicans serve fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka, MontereyMexican.com. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance, get a trusted, familiar name as your good neighbor agent. Call Tim at 232-9981 and by Budweiser. Budweiser locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you. Tim? How about this? Can you hear me now? I absolutely can hear you now, and that is so good to hear. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I don't know, I don't know what you did, but uh, you get, well you done, sir. You guided through it. I don't know what I should <laughs> know technology. I'm an old man, man. You'd think I, I'd know technology like... Rocky did a better job than me. <laughs> anyway, later today at 3.30 p.m., the Fighting Irish will take on the Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech right here on WSBT. It's going to be about 52, 54 degrees. I think that's three weeks in a row that I've said the temperature at game time is going to be about that temperature. Yeah. But here's somebody that stirs up the temperature every time I watch Rudy, which is at least a few times a year, is the original and the one and only Rudy Rudiger. Rudy, good morning. Hey, it's good. It's good. Just finished my workout. And I feel good, and hey, here we are, ready for the Georgia Tech game. I'm excited. Well, so 
tell me what so what what's first of all what's been going on lately what do you what have been doing i know you go around and do motivational speaking is well, vegas yeah. is vegas where you live or were you there for a, a talk? Uh, las vegas is where i live and it's um kind of you go to zoom now zoom is the magic number here we do a lot of zoom calls with companies and universities and we even do military across the world so i'm really excited about that the new technology that we're now dealing with yeah, you didn't. Uh, I hope you had a better time when you first started doing it than I've had today with it. <laughs> <laughs> I know we we're supposed to do a Zoom, but I guess we're not. No, yeah, we just like I said, things happen and stuff. But we still get to talk to you and everything. That's right. So take us, take That's us back. Right. You know, a little bit because um, uh, we had a recent anniversary for uh, the movie uh, Rudy. So it's amazing how much impact a movie can still have. You know, decades later, are you surprised at all by that? Well, you know, you, you, you never know how the message will hit America or, you know, movie fans or kids today. But the message does really hit hard today. And it's a good message of, you know, if you work hard and stick to your guns and get better each day and don't, you know, don't judge, just move forward and, and you know, release this hate. That's what it is. It's releasing the hate. And, boy, your whole attitude becomes very positive, and you look at things differently, and you deal with the issues as they come. You don't create the problems. You take care of them as they come. And I think I learned that in the military when I was in the Navy. That's where I learned to adjust my attitude in a big way because life is not going to happen in the process. You think it's going to happen every day. You've got to change course. You have to adapt to the process but you never changed the goal so that was important for me just like with notre dame football i had to go to practice every day the process changed every day you know coach per season leaves new coach comes in you gotta do it all over again i'm 27 years of age and it's 27 years since the movie was out is that cool so <laughs> it's all kind of there and it was 27 seconds left in the game when i actually got in the game so Saying all that, whatever that number means, uh, Notre Dame's going to have a great day today. Well, Rudy, I wanted to ask you uh, a two-part question, really. Number one, you know, how were you able, because I, I know it was kind of a, a one-man show as far as to getting this movie made and, and getting yeah. it done, and uh, kind of go through that a little bit. And then also, uh, what were you a part of the decision, or, or how was it explained to you to keep out the fact that you were in the Navy? That part never even comes up right. in the movie, and I think that's a pretty well, cool part of your life. Well, it is, but we didn't want a lot of victory because that was a big victory in my life. And we wanted to show uh, the message more than what actually uh, – it was not okay. a documentary, number one. But the, the movie – you know what's great about – Angelo Pizzo, David Ansbach, and the team, once they found the team, they, they kept the integrity of the journey. They never got off track on that. But we had to do composites and embellishments to make the movie tight and make it work. But we stuck to that message. And if you watch Rudy, you don't have to be a religious guy, but it's very biblical, the movie. And if you read your scriptures, you could see a scripture in the whole movie. So it's really cool. I think that's why the movie works, because it crosses all barriers of all religions, uh, all politics, all 
all races. It hits everybody. So that's why this movie sticks. We're with uh, Rudy Rudiger on, on the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show right here on WSBT. How, um, how much were you involved? Were you on the set all the time? with the, them or, or, or give me a, give us a, our listeners a, a little flavor <laughs> well, of that. First of all, it, it took 10 years to find the team to do Rudy. I was in and out of uh, South Bend, finally came to South Bend uh, for the last six years, uh, got got a job in South Bend, um, then got fired from my job when, they, when I kept going out to California. And finally we had a final meeting with Notre Dame and they very nicely, very, very professionally came in and said, we love Rudy, but the answer is no. We're not going to do a movie about this university. We have our movie, Newt Rockney, All-American. Well, I understood that. I totally understood it. So I had to have a little more patience with the decision makers because they're not quite getting the message yet. So I had to kind of set back, take a step back, and re kind of re kind of rethink this whole thing, and then I ended up getting the movie made through many different serendipities of life. I, I don't know how to explain that, but there's no right way or wrong way of getting a decision, and it's just being bold and timing and and uh, telling the truth, and then it works. Yeah. It, um... I, I can only imagine we're, we're fortunate enough a number of years ago that Sean Aston actually came over to uh, game day over there at Ivy court. And you, re- you remember those days because you came over to Ivy court too uh, on a number of times. And uh, he spoke very highly of the interaction that uh, you two, you two had and everything. Can you even imagine as a kid that you were going to end up and have a, a famous movie out there and, and, uh, and no. rub elbows with people? No, I never thought I would rub elbows with Mikey from Goonies, you know? <laughs> and, and you think of that, yeah. And you think of that, Encino Man. And but here's the movie that attracted me, the big one. My dad was in World War II. He was a B-17 torque gunner, and Sean was in the movie Memphis Bell. Memphis and Bell, that's right. Gunner. Yeah, he was a torque gunner, and boy, that was it. I, I saw that. And that is Rudy. That's the guy who's going to play Rudy. But then we had the really, really uh, self Sean to, you know, casting directors and, you know, David and Angelo. But they bought into Sean the minute they saw him. And and uh, the minute he walked in, we were in Chicago, by the way, at the Northwestern Notre Dame game after I convinced we got to see Sean uh, Aston. And they said, okay, we'll bring him in. They brought him in. We're sitting in a hotel waiting for Sean. He comes in. I have my hat on backwards. And Sean walked in with his hat on backwards. And David looked at me and he looked at him. He said, that's Rudy. That's Rudy. And that was it. That's how he got the part. But more importantly, Sean was really Sean Aston in that movie. He didn't have to play much because he was dealing with all the struggle he's been through and that hardship and the setbacks he had as a actor and as a son to Patty Duke, who he went through a lot as well with his mother and his family. So he understood all the struggle and all the pain. And he's never gone to college yet. After he got out of shooting the movie, he went back to a junior college in L.A. and graduated from UCLA. But that, to me, is awesome. And he was a little older like I was when he did that. So Sean Aston is, if he's a model 
of, of anything. He's a model of perseverance as well. Well, which is exactly what uh, you you proved, and you still prove that, and you talk about that in all your all your speeches to everybody. And we appreciate you taking the time at the last minute to come on with us. No, no, Tim, this is I'm honored, man. I'm honored to talk to anybody associated with the university, and I love Notre Dame, and it's just great to walk on campus and knowing that you're part of that university, and hopefully people will see the message of the movie especially in South Bend and people who are, did that happen? Did this happen? It doesn't matter what happened. It matters that you get the message of the movie. That's the power. And God bless you guys. Have a great one. Thank you. Thank you. you Thanks, take care. Ray. Take care. You we'll bet. be right back in the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show with former Notre Dame quarterback Rick Meyer, uh, Notre Dame uh, Dr. Brian Radigan, and Ted Griddell. Our Notre Dame football Saturday continues with game day. Brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Now your hosts, Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. Welcome back to the second hour of game day. Glad you are with us with Matt Embry producing back in the WSBT studios. And Vince and I are still sequestered in our man cave secret locations. We're less than four and a half hours away from the kickoff right here on WSBT. And you can just stay right here all day long, whether you're streaming it on the the app until the game time. Because once the game comes, Notre Dame takes control of that, and you'll have to find that <laughs> on, on regular channel and stuff. But uh, right after us will be Darren Pritchett and uh, Sean Stires with Game Day Sports Beat. And then after the game, the, pre, the post-game show with Sean Stires and Reggie Brooks. I listen to it every week. Um, and they are going to go over all the game stats, all the interviews, and review the game. And we're all going to be thinking here that it's going to be a, a win again. So it's still good to hear those statistics and those conversations and stuff, too. All right here on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. So we're going to get started right away with our segment, Who Are You? So with us on our Who Are You segment is publisher of Irish Breakdown, and I think he's in Atlanta, if I'm not mistaken, but we'll find out real sure. Good morning, Brian Driscoll. Good morning. Yes, I am in Atlanta. You are in Atlanta. When did you get there? Got in last night. It was a weird day of travel, but got in, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> now I'm ready to go. So have you I ever been, been at that stadium before to uh, cover a game? I have not. I've been to Atlanta a lot of times, but I've never been to Georgia Tech's campus and never, uh, never been in Bobby Dodd Stadium. What would you relate it to? Any other campus? No, I've never been. I, I this will be my first time. So, uh, so you haven't even you know. Yeah, he hasn't even been. He's still probably in the hotel since the game oh, isn't. Uh, oh, yeah. Well, because of the the COVID stuff, we're not allowed in this press box until two hours before kickoff. So I won't oh, be no. heading up there. Uh, heading up there just yet. Wow, that's interesting. I didn't. I did not know that. All right, so let's get started here. Um, First of all, and I know we might already have some answers to this question because I did it a couple of days ago and before the final roster came out. Who's the person offensively on the Notre Dame sideline that hasn't played yet or not very much that you wish you see on the field more? I know where Brian's going with this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think it's you. the two freshmen. You pick one, Xavier Watts and Jordan Johnson. I think Notre Dame's wide receiver core needs a boost in playmaking ability. Uh, now that Kevin Austin is out and Braden Lindsay's out for at least two more weeks. And I think both of those young men can provide that. And so 
you know, that's the missing link in this football team right now, right? I mean, your running back situation is very strong. Your offensive line's playing at a high level. Your tight ends are playing at a high level. Uh, your receiving core needs to play better. And uh, I think the, the players that we've seen are comp- good complementary players, but they need playmakers. And right now, I think their two best playmakers are two freshmen that the staff refuses to work into the rotation because uh, they don't have the playbook mastered like a senior yet. Well, and I, th- I think the biggest the biggest uh, problem for me with that whole scenario is, is the fact that it's not like the guys that are on the field are you know killing it, right? I mean, they're, right. they're <laughs> they, they, you're right; they're complementary players. They're good players. There's nothing against what they what they can do, but they need another element in that wide receiving core. And and due to injuries to Braden Lindsey and Kevin Austin, they're, they're lacking that playmaking ability. And and Look, Ben Skronik made two nice catches in traffic and was able to turn them into touchdowns. That was a great performance. There's no question about it. But can he repeat that on a regular basis? Is he, is he going to be able to take the top off of a defense? No, that's not what he does. And so, you know, I, I don't understand, to be perfectly honest, what the hesitation is in getting these young playmaking types. I mean, that, that was one heck of a wide receiving class. Uh, that came in, and and there's three guys, Jay Brunel included, to the two guys that you mentioned. Those those three guys are dynamic. They they can make plays, and as a coaching staff, it's your responsibility to make sure that those guys get on the field, and that those guys are showcased to do what they can do at this point. Right? I mean, we we saw Pittsburgh, uh, the Addison kid. He's a true freshman. He's their leading receiver. I guarantee you, if you gave him a quiz over the entire playbook, he would fail. Okay, but they're putting him in position to do what he does best, and he's excelling. All right. Conversely, same question, but on defense, Brian. You know, honestly, I think for me, there's not one player that I necessarily think that we need to see. I think the defense has done a phenomenal job of of getting a lot of guys in the game, and I think. Because of the injuries and some of the the guys that have missed games for other reasons, they've played just about everybody they have on the defensive roster at this point in time. So I will say it. I will take it this way. I think I still believe that Houston Griffith is a guy that needs to step up. I think he's a guy we haven't seen a lot of this year uh, for different reasons, and they need him to play better because they're going to need a third safety that can make plays at some point in time this season. And Houston Griffith is a guy that can be that kind of player. Yeah, he's a, he's exciting when he when he's on, he's on, and uh, he he's a guy that I would love to see get more playing time. Uh, I, you know, I, I'll I'll stick to the old reliable. I'll go with Jack Kaiser. I think you know we've seen him play, uh, but since that South Florida game, we haven't seen him play in bunches. And I would love to see him get an opportunity to be out there for more than a couple of plays to really, you know. <sighs> Be able to flex his muscle a little bit, get comfortable, not press because he only he knows he's only going to be in there for a few plays. You know, there's a different mentality when you know you're going to have a whole series or a whole few series where you can get comfortable and then you could just play. When you're only in there for a couple of plays, uh, it's different. You have a different mentality. You, you kind of press a little bit. You know, I got to make a play so that I can get more plays, and you end up making some mistakes. So, uh, I, I would like to see Jack Kaiser out at the buck a little bit more often because. Look, of all the positions uh, on the defense, because as a whole they've been playing very, very well, I don't think the buck is nailed down yet. Uh, there, there's still some question marks at that position, so I would love to see Jack get a few more reps. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show on WSBT. 
We're in our Who Are You segment, talking with the publisher of Irish Breakdown, Brian Driscoll, and Irish Breakdown's uh, football analyst, our own Vince. So next question, who is Michael Mayer? Is he Baby Gronk, Magic Mike, or a new Kyle Rudolph or Tyler Eifert? You know, I I think he's the first Michael Mayer. You know, I, I think that um, – you know, comparisons like that are fun for fans, but for me, it's about he has a skill set that I think is very unique. I think that he is far more advanced physically than Michael, than Kyle Rudolph and Tyler Eifert were as true freshmen. Uh, I think he's a more dynamic athlete than Cole Komet, for example. And you know, I just I just think he's an outstanding player that that if he continues to progress, if he continues to put in the work, that has a chance to be an all-time great at a position where you got to be pretty darn good to be an all-time great. So, uh, you know, I, I think that, you know, someday we're going to be talking about comparing tight ends at Sinai with Notre Dame to Michael Mayer, uh, whereas right now we kind of compare him more to Tyler Eifert and Kyle Rudolph. So uh, he's a, a tremendous, tremendous talent. He's why he, you, you're seeing now why I ranked him as the, the best tight end in the, in the, the class of 2020. Well, he, he's special. I mean, the, the, there's no way, no two ways about it. And uh, Notre Dame fans better enjoy, uh, I'm guessing, the three years that they're going to have with him. Because if he is around for a fourth year, I would be uh, shocked and uh, very excited, uh, frankly. But, uh, look, he just based on playing time alone, he's more advanced than the guys that Brian mentioned. I mean, it, it is rare that that position, because you have to be an inline blocker at tight end. And to be that physically mature when you get to college uh, right out of high school is it, it's it's crazy. I mean, that just doesn't happen. And and he looks like a grown man. And, and I realize 18, you're technically a man, but uh, I've seen plenty of 18-year-olds that do not qualify uh, physically. And uh, he's playing big boy football as a true freshman, and he clearly has an understanding of how to play the game, and he has an understanding of this offense, and he, you know, he has some work to do as a blocker. Don't get me wrong, but he sticks his nose in and he's physical and he obviously has really good hands and he's a focal point of this offense and it's really fun to watch. All right. No, who are you question? Uh, Brian, in a minute, give me your uh, analysis of what you're going to, we're going to see today. You know, I, I think we're going to see Notre Dame really catch fire. I think last week was a great, a great opportunity for the Notre Dame offense to finally kind of, kick off the shackles. We saw the return of the RPOs. We saw the run game really compete. Um, and, and I feel like offensively after having to face Pitt last week, this is going to seem like a, a, a really easy test. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's like when, you know, you're getting ready to go the you know, to bat in baseball and you swing that heavy warm up bat and then all of a sudden you pick up your normal bat and it just feels a lot lighter. That's kind of how, how the pit, the, the, the Georgia tech defense is going to feel today. I think for me, it's just about building momentum going into next week. I think Notre Dame offensively needs to come out and they need to be aggressive. They need to attack and they need to continue building confidence in the players that they're going to need to step up and beat to beat uh, George uh, Clemson next week. So I'd like to see Chris Tyree be more involved. I'd like to see the ball spread around a little bit. And I'd really like to see Ian Book continue that that playmaker type of mentality that we saw from him last week. Brian, can I just say that I really appreciate the baseball analogy? That was for you, Vince. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, but, no, I, I agree with everything that Brian said. I, I just really think that Notre Dame is going to go out and they're going to impose their will on the ground offensively. Uh, look for Kyron Williams, Chris Tyree. I mean, they might go down deep into the depth chart at running back. I, this 
Georgia Tech team cannot stop Notre Dame's run game. That they just can't. And uh, Notre Dame would be foolish not to exploit that advantage. And so I, I do really think that they're going to come out and just hammer Georgia Tech on the ground. And then they're going to use play action to their benefit in the pass game. And frankly, they're going to be able to do offensively whatever they want. Um, and so it, it, it will definitely have a look towards the future and what they want to do against Clemson. Because, look, all the press for Clemson has been about uh, you know Lawrence and, and testing positive and will he play against Notre Dame. Well, guess what? That defense is intact, okay? Mm-hmm. And they're, they're really good. And so Notre Dame's offense is going to have to be on point next week if they want to put a dent into that Clemson defense. Uh, so they're going to have their eyes uh, looking forward just a little bit. And as far as the Notre Dame defense is concerned, they're they're going to they're going to keep doing what they're doing. They're going to be um, just as powerful, just as strong as they have been the last few weeks. Uh, this Georgia Tech offense does provide a little bit more of a, an explosive nature with the quarterback and the running back, and uh, and they're both true freshmen, uh, Gibbs and Sims. Uh, but uh, Notre Dame's defense will will shut them down. Uh, but but look for them to score a few more points than Pitt did. Uh, no question about that, in my opinion. But uh, Notre Dame is going to dominate this game from start to finish, and it, it should be a fun one if you're an Irish fan. Well, let's hope that everything works out just the way you guys, just the way you guys. <laughs> it have. should. It should. All right. It should. That's good. That's good enough for me. That's good enough for me. Well, Brian, tell our listeners how to get more uh, info involved with Irish Breakdown. You go to www.irishbreakdown.com. Definitely want to check it out. We have a recap on our site right now of all the week's analysis, which includes all the written content, talking about matchups. Our podcast is linked in there that Vince and I do together where we preview the Georgia Tech game. Uh, And, of course, on the front page now is the analysis of former Notre Dame quarterback Steve Berline, who broke down the pit game and then also previewed what he expects to see today from the Notre Dame-Georgia Tech matchup. So that's irishbreakdown.com. Irishbreakdown.com. Looking forward to joining you next week. You have a great week and a great game today. Thanks, guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Brian. And that's our segment, Who Are You? So let's go to a break, and then we're going to come back with uh, former kicker Ted Gredell and uh, with the team in Atlanta, Dr. Brian Radigan on WSBT, your sports radio station. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And our, our Game Day show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection with Legacy Heating and Air. Ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule your service at Legacy Heating and Air, Inc., We're also brought to you by Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact Matt Wilson in South Bend or Pablo Rodriguez in Granger. Fishers Barbecue and Catering. Visit their new location at 213 East McKinley Avenue in Mishawaka for drive-through carry-out or catering. Just look for the smoke. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Not all heroes wear capes. The Food Bank of Northern Indiana reminds us all that we can play a role in ending hunger in our communities. Find out how at feedindiana.org. By Four Winds South Bend, Escape the Everyday. And by Industrial Door of Northern Indiana, dedicated to providing the best in garage doors. Tim? Thank you, Vince. This is the Legacy Heating Air Game Day show. It's going to be about 52, 54 degrees down there in Atlanta for the game later today right here on WSBT. Our next guests are involved with the uh, Holtz's Heroes Foundation. And 
as our consistent listeners do know, we've been trying to feature uh, each and every game um, some representing from that organization because they do such a good job. They're all former players. So not only do we get to talk about the HHF Foundation, but we get to talk about football. So welcome us to this segment is a kicker from the 1980s, Ted Grottle, and also Dr. Brian Redigan. I think, Brian, are you with the team in Atlanta? We are. Yep, down here now. All right. How's things down there? Let's check in real quick with you. What's the, what's the, everything going to be a good day down there? Sunshine and everything? Yeah, it is. It's, weather's perfect, and everybody's doing great down here. Good. No issues. Good. All right. Ted, let's start with the uh, Holtz's Heroes Foundation. Tell me about your involvement with that. Thanks, Tim and Vince. Appreciate having me on. And um, we were formerly known as Lose Lads, and it started out as a uh, the, the group of former players that, that were with Lou that, that wanted to get together on more of a regular basis, reconnect. Uh, so there was camaraderie around it, and it's grown from there. We, we rebranded to Holtz as Heroes because we feel like Coach Holtz does have that, that widely known name throughout the country and, and through our armed services and all that. So we've really tried to uh, grow this in, in a way that allows us to take the leadership skills we've learned from coach, the teamwork we've learned, and help make communities a better place. So so we're broadening the efforts we're doing um, around that right now. Uh, uh, Dr. Brian, um, you were the one that really got me onto this because you were involved with them and you made the connection with Reggie Brooks and myself too. So what does the foundation mean to you? Oh, it's a, it's a lot, but really you can kind of get a, a bunch of old players who obviously are very successful in their own right, no matter what they're doing. And just like Notre Dame on the whole, you got this culture of everything, whether you're business or medicine or whatever you're doing, there's people from all over the place that a lot of them happen to be old players, uh, a few are trainers and managers. It's just a it's a pretty impressive collection of uh, different individuals. I'm certainly honored to be a part of it. And, of course, it all stems from Coach Holtz, uh, whether we're afraid to say no, which is kind of the way it was when we used to play. We've always been afraid of that guy. Um, <laughs> or we just truly you know, love to be a part of something special. And we've always felt that way. So this thing's just taken off. And the reason I reached out to you, Tim, was just because, there are so many messages that can be made by this group of guys. And it's just important that, you know, hot topics like the racism and things going on in the world, uh, they have a lot of messages that, that they can say. And I've been humbled multiple times on, on our current Zoom calls at what's being said by guys that you're really just a little bit speechless and, and like I said, really humbled. And I just want the rest of the world to kind of, get a chance to be a part of what I'm a part of and, and see what's out there and what special messages are there to, to be given to everybody. And if you can just change one person one at a time, and I've always said if we could create that locker room feeling, which is actually what his website is, if you can create that locker room feeling that I got to experience where you, know, you learn to live and play with the guys from many cultures, many races, many everything, and then – you just make it work. You know, it's, they're not always your best friends from what, no matter who you're with, but you learn to play with them and some become your best friends, but it's a snapshot of what you kind of would like the whole world to be a little bit like that. Right. And if they can do that a little bit through Holtz's heroes, then we've done one good thing in the world. Right. 
Absolutely, absolutely. That's uh, Dr. Brian uh, Radigan, uh, Chief Orthopedic Physician with the Fighting Irish. And we've also have with us Ted Grottle, uh, kicker in the uh, 80s right here on the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. Ted, um, when you and I were talking uh, back and forth, emailing and texting back and forth, you were talking about you got to be there at the beginning when Holtz came and, and then got to see the success as it started. Uh, so what was the most impressive thing or what did you see that was the catalyst of that moving forward? It was when Coach Holtz took over, we were a, a five and six team uh, with Jerry Faust, six and five, five and six, those type of years. And he he said to us, I'm going to show you what it takes to win. And it it's about uh, doing what's right, doing your best and showing others you care. His three simple principles. But if you didn't pay attention to details, everybody had to be responsible and accountable for their work. Uh, literally, the the receptionist at the football office had to answer the phone a certain way that conveyed we're trying to win a national championship. I mean, he, you know, players had to pick up, you know, uh, Dr. Radigan mentioned the managers that are part of Holtz's Heroes now. I mean, you had to show respect for the people that were helping this program. Pick up your towels. Don't take a shower after practice and throw your towel on the ground. Put it away. Do the little things right. Big things take care of themselves, but you have to do the little things uh, lining up for winter workouts. If your feet weren't on the line, literally all heck would break loose. You know, it couldn't be a half inch behind. And that translated into, okay, we know we have a chance now. We're going to work harder in the weight room. We're going to work harder on our own because we're accountable to our teammates. We're part of a bigger uh, goal here. So it's not about us as individuals, about what we do to contribute to help the team win. And so I, I thought that was a pretty neat eye-opening process. Doc, you want to add anything to that? Well, and that's why you get guys running for Congress from Coach Holt, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, people look for great things. It's true. And I got the benefit from all the things that Ted's group went through. Like, they went through even more hell than I had to, right? But it was all a good hell in a way that they set the tone for the rest of us. Like, wow, you really can follow his blueprint, and you're going to win. Either you're on or you're off, right? So you might as well get on, and and we're going to win. And they did. And they started winning, and then we all wanted to be a part of that. And then you realize quickly the guys coming in wanting to, you know, tape their shoes a special way. No, you're not getting that opportunity. Right? You're, you're just you're going to be like everybody else. And you either, you know, jump on board or not. And that's kind of been the, the way all successful things have happened. I mean, either, Ted's, you know, not giving himself enough credit, but that group of guys, really had to buy in and it's the hardest when you're the first one you know it's easy for me i come in as a freshman right after they won the national title so i can't really say i had to buy in i was already in from high school right <laughs> I came in, they obviously they already proved that they knew what they were doing not so much with ted's group those guys had to do it and uh we all can't thank them enough and don't let him forget his, his uh little internal job just have a shout out don't forget his bangle bounce. Nobody gives that credit. <laughs> he, he, he crushed it. He was, he was famous. And I think your daughter, too. Isn't your daughter doing it, too? Or I had, it uh, so uh, two daughters are uh, both two-time Barack Abbas champions. <laughs> and, uh, wow. Uh, Love the experience. That, that's quite. A, that's grown into quite a program uh, as well. And, you know, again, it's about making an impact on the, 
on the world, making the world a better place. You know, all those types of things are, are what you do learn at Notre Dame. Ted, so it doesn't hurt gotta, knowing that your dog yeah. could beat the hell out of somebody and protect himself. <laughs> that's not a bad thing. It feels pretty good. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> hey, Ted, I, I've got a kicker in the house, and uh, he, he's listening to this interview right now. So I wanted to ask, you know, kind of a twofold question. One, what was it like, uh, you know, being a kicker at Notre Dame? And then uh, on top of that, what did it take, uh, you know, going it, to get to Notre Dame, to be uh, a college-level kicker, a kicker at the highest level? What did it take for you uh, to, to get yourself into that position? Well, and uh, I'm excited to hear about your son kicking. I, I look forward to following his career as he progresses <laughs> through. Uh, I, I learned from one of the best. He was a, a walk-on kicker. I was a walk-on kicker when I came in. But Mike Johnston was a kicker um, in the early, you know, for Coach Faust. And his practice habits were incredible. So it, it's about practicing and developing that mental and physical routine in a way that allows you to not even think about it in a game. So just being consistent, doing the hard work. And I was a, an invited walk-on at the same the same year that a guy by the name of John Carney was an invited walk-on. <laughs> so I remember calling home and saying, you know, to my parents, "Hey, there's another walk-on here who's pretty good. I'm not sure." Uh, <laughs> this is <good." laughs> so finally, once John. Uh, graduated and, and went on to pursue a, a, a long career in the pros, uh, I got my chance as a fifth-year uh, player the fall of 1987, which was also Tim Brown's uh, Heisman year. That was exciting, but uh, that was the year I got to start. But it was about developing consistency, uh, developing great habits in practice, and challenging yourself in practice. Um, here's a small example. I would always kick into the wind instead of with the wind. You know, in a game, if you're with the wind, fantastic. But in practice, that forces you to be more precise with every kick you make. So little things like that, you learn to develop um, that consistency and reliability as a kicker, not just an occasional great kick and then uh, pull one to, you know, off to the left or something. So developing that those great practice habits was key. That's, excuse me, that's uh, Ted Grottle from the 1980s. We're also on the phone with uh, Dr. Brian Radigan with the team. We've got about three minutes left here. Um, Dr. Brian, what, um, every, it seems like all these conferences, everybody has different COVID responsibilities. And I know that's not yours and the team, but I just wondered what your opinion was after now we've heard that Trevor Lawrence is out right now. They talk about 10 days from the symptoms, but then he's got to have cardiac or, or testing or what, how, why does everybody have all these different, <laughs> different ways they're going to deal with COVID? I know it's a tough question. <sighs> why? why I, yeah, I don't think anybody has that answer. I mean, you're three weeks in the Big Ten. You're ten to fourteen days in the ACC. Uh, you know, I don't think there's a a consensus among any conference among all the doctors, right? And so, and I am not. I'll be the first to say I am not on any of those phone calls. They know we're just you know dumb orthopods. We deal with bones and muscles. <laughs> when it comes to those viruses, we, we hate those things. So. Um, but I'll tell you that I, I respect them, and I appreciate all the work they're putting in. Matt Weisler is the doc who's really heavily involved for our team. He's a brilliant doc, ex-running back at Harvard. He gets it. You know, he's he's one of those guys that's got a, his pulse on everything. But I know that you know, just talking to him, I'm quickly uh, willing to stop listening because it's it's never consistent what they have to do and go through. 
So you want an answer that you will never get, Tim. There, it's, it's, uh, it's evolving. Every week it seems like something new. And another right. hoop that Dr. Leiser is jumping through. He's been, uh, he and Ian Ravon really taking on this extra challenge. Like they didn't have enough to do already. Um, and done a great job. You know, it's the best you can do. You just, everybody has the same goals of everybody playing. But as far as what's known about the, the virus, uh, geez, there's no good answer. Why 10 days? Why three weeks? Don't know. And I don't know that they know for sure. Right? You just have to pick one and go with it. Well, I'm sure the Irish are going to prepare that Trevor Lawrence will be playing. I think that'll probably be the that's, <laughs> I, I think that's, that's a like safe got, bet. Yeah. Well, they have a five-star backup, so I mean, either way, there's going to be some talent uh, at quarterback there. So, I, I, I hope he, I hope he plays. I really do. Yeah, we want to play I, I hope you really do. You want the full stack. I just hey, I'm just happy we're playing today, right? Yeah. I hope we get to play next week. Right now. After having a game canceled this year, mm-hmm. I got to tell you, I was, I was telling Coach Kelly the week before that cancellation, before we played, I was giving him a hard time on the field where, you know, out there, was in a good mood, and right at midfield, they're all warming up. And I just kind of walked by, and I was like, you know, I'm really enjoying watching you guys have to kind of squirm a little. You know, like the coaches have to be ready for anything last minute. I go, it's pretty amazing. You had two guys, two starters around, and watching you guys just – just come on strong. I think it's good for you. Change things up a little bit. Just kind of busting his chops a little. And you can imagine what he said back to me. And then you could take it the next week. We had a game pulled away off our schedule because of COVID. And I went right back to him. I said, you know what? Forget everything I said. It was all one <laughs> game until we actually lost a game. Now I feel like, well, I can't say it on the radio. I feel bad. Right? <laughs> so I really, I, I, like I jinxed us. I'm not going to say another word. I'm just happy we get to play every week. And that's Absolutely. my new motto. I will not say that anymore. There you go. There you go. Well, um, you have a good time down there. I want to tell everybody on your guys' behalf how they can uh, contribute or get more information on Holtz Heroes Foundation. www.holtzheroes.org. And Holtz is H-O-L-T-Z-S. There's no apostrophe in there. Holtzheroes.org for more information and to make a donation. We thank you both, Ted uh, Grottle and Dr. Brian Radigan, for sharing some time with us. And you both have a good day. And go Irish. Thanks, Tim, and go Irish. Thanks, gentlemen. Stay with us. We are back after a short break with uh, Goshen great, Notre Dame great, quarterback Rick Meyer on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT, your home for the Fighting Irish. Back to Legacy Heating and Air's Game Day with Tim Growl and Vince D'Addario on Sports Radio 96.1 WSBT. And we are indeed back. Yep. And our show is brought to you by Legacy Heating and Air. Temperatures will soon be dropping, which means it's time to schedule your $89 preseason tune-up and safety inspection. With Legacy Heating and Air, ensure your family is safe and warm this season. Schedule service online at LegacyHeatingAndAirInc.com. By Irish Realty, Steve Smith team. When buying or selling a home to building and remodeling, go Irish. Irish Realty. By Leck Lightner Door, they open all the right doors. By Monterey Mexican Grill, authentic Mexican served fresh daily at McKinley and Division in Mishawaka, MontereyMexican.com. By South Bend Orthopedics, team physicians for the University of Notre Dame since 1949. By Tim Growl, State Farm Insurance. Get a trusted, familiar name as your good good neighbor agent. Call Tim at 232-9981. And by Budweiser. Budweiser locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Football fans, this Bud's for you, Tim. 
All right, Ben. So later today at 3.30 p.m., we'll have the Notre Dame uh, game versus those Yellow Jackets of Georgia Tech at 3.30 p.m. right here. Stay with the station all day through. Right now, we're going to go out to California, where it's uh, just slightly warmer than it is here in South Bend. But he knows all about northern Indiana weather since he was a very successful quarterback at Goshen High School and at Notre Dame, and that would be Rick Meyer. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, guys. How are you doing? We're doing good, good. First things first, how have you and uh, your family been doing with this uh, COVID and everything? We're hanging in there. It's been it's been weird, like uh, everyone would say, you know, the experience has been. But uh, my boys are able to do school online for the most part, and uh, I'm just looking forward to having them back home here in about three weeks when they get this big, long break over the holidays. Lacrosse players? Do Two of them are, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, most most at Notre Dame, they're on the field right now. I guess they're scrimmaging right now, which is funny to get some texts from some parents that are there. Uh, and then Oliver's at Michigan, and um, uh, Charlie, the youngest, is a junior here in high school. Oh, wow, wow. Hey, one last thing, too, about while you're out there in California. Are you being affected by the fires? I know you have a winery, and, and as such, is that causing a, a problem for you? You know, yeah. Um, the, the, there's two separate issues. The stuff up north where the wine is um, was just devastated a few weeks ago. That's under control now, but it's uh, it was just sad to see, you know, some of the people lost a lot. Uh, we were pretty lucky, but it still affects the whole industry. And then now down here in Orange County, there's some stuff that's, you know, the air is bad and we're not affected here in San Diego yet. I don't see anything in the sky but it kind of blows around, and eventually we'll get some of that smoke. But uh, fortunately, the fires haven't been right next to us, but it's close enough to, to be paying attention to it. Sure, sure, sure. So, so 2020, I think we all are going to be glad to get rid of 2020. Yes, yes. <laughs> hey, Vince, go ahead. You wanted to talk to about your game last night. Well, yeah, Rick, I, I had the opportunity to call Goshen and Mishawaka last night in the playoffs, and uh, obviously you're a Goshen grad. And I uh, just wanted to get some of your thoughts. First of all, I know you haven't been back, but they've got a beautiful new facility out there, you know, turf and a new press box, all that fun stuff. So everything looks really good out there. But uh, how about some of your memories from being uh, a Goshen Redskin uh, all those years ago? Oh, it was great. You know, growing up with my dad coaching, it was like I was just the gym rat hanging around um, all those practices and stuff as a little kid. And then um, you know, when he stepped aside and I started to play, you know, we had a great run for a while and had some, you know, playing in the Hoosier Dome, playing in stadiums that aren't even there anymore. I mean, that's funny. <laughs> that's how long it's been. <laughs> but we had a great run. And um, now, you know, Kyle Park is, is in charge and he was just a young kid when I was playing. So it's just funny to see how things evolve. And um, I know they've had a tough run the last few years, but they'll get more kids going and hopefully – get that thing back and um they're not going to be able to blame it on the facilities it sounds like everything looks great yeah it, it's, it's a beautiful facility that that is for sure so rick when you're at goshen and stuff i don't think that number of times you've been on we talked about recruiting so since you were nearby uh, notre dame like this did you is that where you always wanted to go not really i mean it's funny as a as a kid as a fan i was like more of a big 10 follower i mean notre dame was right there and I didn't understand probably how large, you know, the the reach was for Notre Dame. It just happened to be the school that was down the street from us. Um, but I wasn't raised Catholic. That part wasn't, you know, I wasn't uh, influenced by that. Like some guys that grow up and go to these private Catholic schools, and that's just the dream. Um, it just happened to be the perfect timing. Um, the 88 team was national champions while we were state champions. So everything kind of synced up. 
uh, it was just, I was just lucky to, to, to follow Tony Rice and have a year to learn from him and then have three years to play. So I, I wouldn't have guessed it um, as a younger kid, but as the recruiting process happened, uh, it, it just was like, man, this is too good to pass, pass on. In that process, who was who your recruiter that, from Notre Dame? Vinny Serrato was there those right. years, and he, right. he was really uh, influential for a lot of guys. And uh, But Barry Alvarez was the defensive coordinator, and he was he was in direct contact with us quite a bit, and uh, and Coach Holtz. So, you know, the whole the whole group, but um yeah i wouldn't i wouldn't do it differently i I was i was excited to go and i was excited to stay four years and um it was an unbelievable experience and it's fun now that my son's there and and uh (laughs) i get to kind of relive it again this is wsbt and we're talking with former irish and nfl quarterback rick meyer go ahead vince well i wanted to ask you you mentioned that uh you've got a son at notre dame and then you've got a son at michigan which is uh, an interesting <laughs> dynamic, I'm sure, at the dinner table during the holidays. It's been very pleasant. It's funny. <laughs> it's competitive. Wow. You know, those two will, will probably play each other one day. They were supposed to last spring. Uh, they're lacrosse players. But um, the, the other's a friendly rivalry, but everybody has respect for the other. And um, what will be interesting is what the youngest one does. I don't know. He might, he might have to offset it a little bit. Um, <laughs> but we'll see. So when you came to Notre Dame, obviously Tony Rice was the quarterback uh, and you were backing him up or whatever. Um, you got any one or two or three points of things that you learned from Tony Rice while you were uh, in that backup role? Well, Tony was a hard, tough act to follow. I mean, the guy was so talented and, and uh, just explosive, you know, such a great runner. Um, I couldn't duplicate that, but I did my best to, to try to, <laughs> you know, do the things he was doing, but mostly I'd say just leadership. I mean, the guys loved him and that meant, I mean, just standing back and watching people react around him was like something that you would, you would hope you can generate yourself. And that's probably the biggest takeaway. I mean, he was just a, a awesome upbeat guy that just never had a bad day and everybody loved to be in the huddle with him. And I, and I appreciated that from a distance and I tried to do the same. So do you have a, a Holt story or two that uh, you would like to relate to us at all? <laughs> I don't know. He, he, there were so many funny things. Uh, you know, he would jump in. If somebody, like, jumped off sides or something, he, he'd pull them out of, the, out of the – in practice. He'd pull them out of the uh, huddle, and he'd take their spot. Sometimes he'd be a guard or a tackle. So he's this little bitty guy who would line up across from Brian Young or something and say, just run the play. And we're like, wait, you're going to get killed in here. Like, what, what do you, you know, he just he decided he, he just wanted to prove, like he, one day he decided he, he could catch a punt. Um, and, uh, and that story has been told many times, but he broke his finger and he was screaming like, a, like he was dying and he was yelling for the trainer because I think Ricky had fumbled a punt or two and, and he just decided he wanted to show us how to do it. And I don't know. It would probably have been better if he didn't. But uh, there, were, there was a lot of fun. I mean, it was very businesslike on game day. But, um, yeah, the stories are endless with the things he would do that uh, – not to try to be funny. It just turned out to be funny in most cases. <laughs> hey, hey, Rick, I, I wanted to ask you, uh, obviously you were asked to run the ball a lot in college. Did you run the ball a whole lot at Goshen? Uh, or was that a, a different uh, style of offense to go into from high school to college? It was different. We we were more we were I don't know, we were pretty balanced. I would say we're about fifty fifty, but um we threw it about thirty times a game and I would run because I just could run around and take off sometimes, but 
they weren't really designed runs like we like we had in college with more of an option oriented offense. Um, but I, I don't know. I always felt like it was it was handy to you know be able to move around and and uh, you know looking back, it would have been nice to you know some of these college offenses I see now they just throw it fifty times. You know, you just that's that's. <laughs> that's nice prep for the next level. But I just, as a competitive person, I just wanted to win, you know, and I didn't care how we did it, what style I just wanted to win. So I think, and you both can correct me about the time you were there. Is that when lights started being put up in the stadium for night games? Cause I, I mean, I know the, and I want to talk about that game against Penn state, but was that, was that still a portable lights during your time when you were there when they put up? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Uh, I don't know when the permanent stuff went in, but I know when we played Michigan in 90, yeah, ninety. Uh, I swear that it was it was a night game, right? Like, or at least it, it was so late, late afternoon. Mm-hmm. Um, and now there's so many more of those with TV and all that influence. But uh, the NBC thing was pretty new. You know, the stadium was totally different. You know, the fifty nine oh seventy five version. And um, gosh, now I go back and it's like it's like a different place. You know, it's like a five <laughs> five star setup and. Uh, I, I still miss the, the old, the intimacy of the old place, but I, I get, I get, you know, kind of why we are where we are now. It's, it's amazing for the students to have all that extra space. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what, 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 what memories do you have of the snowball game? Uh, you know, the biggest thing was, um, we had tied previously, um, you know, Michigan game and we, and nobody was interested in tying anybody ever again. You know, that was a weird uh, ending. So the, the, it wasn't, you know, you know, if we were going to score and, you know, try to win, it was, it was like, we're absolutely scoring and we're not going to kick an extra point and tie this thing. Cause this was before overtime years and stuff. So uh, I don't, we were just locked in. We had plenty of time. That last drive was sort of, it wasn't a giant rush. It was just, you know, steady down the field. And it was all about what was the two-point play going to look like because it was it was going to come down to one play, and it did. And Reggie bailed me out and made a diving catch uh, of a fluttering ball in the corner. But it was an <laughs> awesome feeling when he when he bounced up and had the ball. Rick, yeah, Tony, you, Roberts, Tony Roberts tells the story. Sorry, Vince. No, go ahead. He couldn't see from the from up in the press box whether he had caught it or not, so it wasn't wasn't he wasn't quite sure. He had to delay his call until he could actually see it. Yeah, I bet, it, it, you know, it, it's down in that corner and uh, the people that I, I hear from people still, you know, who are there and maybe on that end of the field and they ran out on the field or they were clear on the other side and they could see it from there. But uh, yeah, it was, it was, uh, it wasn't easy. Reggie helped <laughs> me. It, Reggie made it, he made it dramatic, I guess. It was good for TV. Well, speaking of dramatics, I, I, I real quick, I wanted to get your thoughts on on overtime uh, in college football because if there was an overtime, my guess is you guys aren't going for two there, uh, and it, it kind of changes the whole complexion of that game. So, what, what are your thoughts about college moving into overtime now? I think it's exciting. It, you know, there's a lot more scoring. It, it kind of screws up the some of the records and you know the n- number of points and and all that. Um, a guy can score sure. four times in overtime, but. You know, it, it was – I think you just learn over time. I mean, whatever the old version was was fine until it wasn't. And then once once overtime was introduced, it just was – it's just a better, more exciting finish. Uh, it's like extra innings, you know. It's just – Yeah. It's it's just more important, it feels like, at the end. But, um, you know, that's just the evolution. Um, we, you're right. We would have we would have tied it up and then then rolled the dice on whatever happens in overtime. That would have been different. But I, I never ever got to do that. I never never. Yeah. And and 
it just wasn't the way uh, you finish those games. So now watching these three, four, you know, overtime kind of games, it's exciting. It gets crazy. <laughs> so no running out of plays, I think you start running out of stuff. Hey, uh, I want to ask you about this year's team, Rick. I'm sure you follow, especially with your son being at Notre Dame now, uh, you follow the team. And I wanted to get your thoughts, just uh, kind of how things are going uh, with this year's team. Yeah, I watch pretty closely. Um, I don't know everybody anymore, but it's fun to it's fun to support the team. And uh, of course, you know when they keep winning, it's 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 exciting to be in the mix. I'm watching these college game day, and it's you know Notre Dame's relevant, and that's that's awesome. So yeah. I think it's going to get very real very soon. <laughs> uh, next weekend, um, finally, the, the game everyone's kind of had circled all year, and um, I, I think our squad, you know, if we're healthy and Firing after today, uh, it, it could be a really good matchup. Clemson's scary, but um, I guess you find out quickly who you are when you got to play the best. That nice litmus test, right? Yep. Uh, we're with Rick Meyer on the Air Heating uh, Legacy Heating Air Game Day show here on WSBT. So, um, a quick value, uh, evaluation of Ian Book's progress. Well, I'm not going to be critical of anything. I don't know enough. I don't. I don't. I. I just appreciate his. Um, he kind of his his consistency. He's he's had the reins here now for quite a while and uh, hasn't lost many games. So um, I'm pulling for him. I, I. You know. I think it's. He's been a great leader. Um, he's got some guys around him. Gosh, I'm jealous. Some of these. <laughs> some of these big long, tight ends and receivers are, are amazing. But. Um, yeah, he's he's um, he's making the most of the opportunity he got, and I, I think he's lucky to have Tommy Reese there to help him. Um, you know, off I don't care about what who's calling the plays and what they are. I just you got to make them work, and he's making them work. And um, again, you know, they haven't really played the best competition yet, and that's going to happen soon, and we'll find out a lot more once we get into those games. So, what kind of watcher are you? We were talking Mike Golick Jr. last week, and he's throwing the the remote at the TV before and a couple other weeks, people say they, they can't, they got to watch it by themselves that their wife walks in the room. They say, get out of here. So what kind of watcher are you? I'm not that stressed at this point. It's been long <laughs> enough. Uh, I just want to see him win. And I like, I like to have them in the mix. I know how competitive it is. I mean, across the board, you know, there's so many good teams, but uh, this year is so weird with guys opting out and then certain conferences not playing until just now. So, um, I don't know. It's I don't get emotional about it, but I but I I want to see him win, and and I probably won't ever throw the remote. But uh, <laughs> I guess well, I'll probably get tested next week and see how that feels. Just have another <laughs> glass of wine. That's right. <laughs> there you go. All right, Rick. We appreciate you getting up to be on with us here. You go have a great date again, and you know I'll probably bug you next year again because we always enjoy having you on. No problem, guys. Great talking with you. Hey, All thanks, right. Rick. Thank okay. You. So, uh, Vince, how about uh, a real quick uh, analysis, about 20 seconds, and then the score? Well, like uh, we, we kind of brought it up when we were talking with Brian. I, I just think that this is going to be a game where if Notre Dame does what they need to do, if they take care of business, if they do, uh, you know, if they, they stick to the game plan, they're not going to have any problem winning this game. Winning this game is not going to be the issue. It's going to be can they take another step offensively uh, to, it, with – with eyes on next week. I mean, this is the game. Like Rick said, this is the game that everybody's got scheduled. This is the litmus test. Um, you know, the combined record of Notre Dame's opponents, it's not good. So, you know, what uh, 
what can they do against another top five team? That's the question, and we're going to get our answer next week. Uh, this game is going to be a ground and pound for Notre Dame. They're going to take advantage of that, and uh, it should be fun. I got 45-13 with an Irish 45-13. Thanks, Vince. We'll see you next week. Please join us back here on next week at 2 p.m. as we get you ready for the Fighting Irish versus those number one Clemson Tigers. For Vince D'Addario, this is Tim Growl. Again, we thank you for listening to the Legacy Heating and Air Game Day show. This is your home for Fighting Irish football on Sports Radio 96.1 WST. Go Irish! Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. 